be different or better next year than they have been this year. Again, I said whether you admitted it or not, so you don't have to say amen to it. It's all, it's all good. No, look, here's, here's the danger of, something, of a statement like that. We can focus on the things that are not under our control. There are a whole lot of things that you cannot control in your life. The responses of other people, the decisions that people in positions of power make, the decisions that employers make, in different mandates or requirements or things like that. Listen, I, I understand there's all kinds of things that we cannot control, like how the person in front of you is driving. Okay. I'm going to whine for a minute since I can tell you're enjoying it. Green means go. Point three seconds after it turns green. I get like a two second delay because of how people run red lights around here. That's wise. But two seconds isn't five seconds. Eventually, you got to push the gas pedal. Okay, <laughs> I understand I have a bad attitude. I'm just trying to help you be engaged here. I don't control. Listen, I don't control how the people around me are driving. I don't control how the person in front of me is driving. And the danger of a statement like this and of a message like this is you can begin to think about other people that you don't control or other processes that you are not responsible for. You can begin to think about how other people should be doing differently, how they should handle things differently. Please don't miss out on, a, on the benefit of a message like this to take the opportunity to look at yourself and say, while there are things in my life or around my life that I cannot control, there are things in my life that I can control. And there are things over which many of God's children have control in areas where you want to see a different product come to reality. And yet this is the mistake that the children of God make over and over again. And we fall into that definition of insanity that was given by Albert Einstein. We continue to do things the same way over and over and over, and then we get frustrated that the product doesn't change or that the product doesn't improve. Amen. You say, I really, in 22, I really want my marriage to make some significant progress. But if the way you approach marriage in 22 doesn't change from the way you approached it, approached it in 21, you're unlikely to see any significant progress. You say, there really needs to be some improvement and progress in my parenting and in the way my children handle certain situations. Well, if you want that to happen, your approach to parenting probably needs to be adjusted and there needs to be some improvement or some adjustments in the way that you do things. It is foolish for Christian parents to think, I will continue to do what I've always done but then I'm going to expect the product in the lives of my children to be different. It does not work that way. You say, I really want things to improve in my job. I want over the things that I would have control. I want things to get better. I want, I want there to be a better working relationship. I want my productivity to go up. I want to be the kind of employee that my boss can have confidence in. Well, if that's what you're after, then the process that produces what is being produced at work is going to have to be evaluated. 
Now, for some, this message is just an opportunity to do some preventative maintenance. And here's what I mean by that. Just because we preach a message like this doesn't mean every single thing in a person's life needs to change. But here's what I believe. I believe this is possible. That even after a humiliating defeat, even after a colossal failure, even after an epic collapse, be saved. Just because you've been through an agonizing defeat, it does not mean that that has to define or characterize the rest of your life. There's some weariness here this morning, but please get this. Please get this. We preach the, the gospel that gives hope to people's lives. No matter how hard your life has been, no matter how bad you've messed up, there is a chapter 8 after there is a chapter 7 in your life. But you've got to understand this. That's not just going to happen because you want it to. We see in chapter 8 the people of God intentionally following a completely different process than they followed in chapter 7. And the results were on the opposite end of the spectrum. Just as a reminder, in chapter 7, you go back to the beginning of it, they've just had an amazing victory over Jericho. They come to face Ai, the, and the total population of Ai, based on chapter 8, seems to be about 12,000 people. Well, they had far more numbers than that just in their army. And so they look at the size of the city and they come back and give a report to Joshua. We don't need to send in everybody. In fact, we only need to send a fraction of our soldiers so all the people don't need to labor. Look, we can kind of, this isn't, this isn't a really good team so we can kind of take the, the game off and let some of our main players get a break and, and then and we'll just have an easy victory. So you only need to send three or 4,000. So Joshua sends the maximum uh, that was recommended. He sends the 4,000, and then they end up going against AI in their own wisdom and in their own strength. And what you'll know, the di one of the main differences in chapter 7 was there was no consultation with God. And on 30, they have around 30 casualties, the nation of Israel does, and they come back and Joshua stands before God. He lays before God. Why did you, why did you allow this to happen? And God tells them, hey, you need to get up. This isn't a problem with me. I am the same today as I was when you were facing this battle with AI. There is sin in your life and you need to deal with it. So they deal with the sin. Now, the Lord said unto Joshua, fear not, neither be thou dismayed. I'm going to move off the point, but I love it. He's saying to him, you don't have to live in the defeat of the past. Amen. Nod your head. How many of you have experienced defeats, either your own fault or the fault of others, that still cause you heartache or shame to this day? Amen. Nod your head. Do something. You do not have to live the rest of your life being defined by them. I'm not talking about sweeping them under the rug. I'm not talking about them not causing you pain. And so God said to Joshua, rise up. You don't have to be afraid. I understand.
rob you of future AIs, you can have great victory. So the result. I hope. So, I want you to take note of this. The same enemy was being fought. Chapter 7, chapter 8, same enemy. But a completely different result. So I just want to quickly look at, a, at three things that help us to understand difference in their approach. From chapter 7, us would be. Lord, here's the first difference. In chapter 7, they were following their plan. In chapter, chapter 8, they actually took time to know that God had a plan and followed it. I understand this doesn't seem profound, but it did have a profound effect on the outcome of those results. In chapter 7, you know what they were? They were presumptuous about victory. They assumed that because we were victorious over here, that guarantees victory here. And so we don't even need to ask God. We don't even need to pray. It's kind of like a pastor being presumptuous. I had success last week, so I don't even need to ask God to help me this week because I can just assume that he's going to bless me from week to week because of who I am without any consideration for who he is and for his purpose and for my neediness and my dependency upon him. And so there was this presumption that we conquered Jericho, which, by the way, did they conquer Jericho by their might or by God's might? Listen, all they did was take a really long walk for six days and then an even longer walk on the seventh day, blow some horns and shout, and God did the heavy lifting. And yet they get into chapter 7 and they're like, look at us. Look at we did. Man, look at how many people are coming to West Valley. Look at, man, we were able to pay off our building. And look at all the kids that we have back there. Look at what we're doing. Can I remind you, it's not people that build the church. If people are building the church, things aren't going to go well eventually. It's, if, if people are going to be helped by coming to this place then someone other than me has to be involved in the building of it. Someone other than you has to be involved in the building of it. 
God has to be involved in the building of it. If people are going to be helped by this place. They just assume, man, it's, we're good. And no point in, do you know when they cried out to God? After they failed miserably. Isn't that the truth for us? And so often, our initial prayer is not, God, what did I do wrong? It's, God, what did you do wrong? Why did you let me down? Well, they started off chapter 8 completely differently. You know where they started chapter 8 with? Right here. God, what do you want from my life? Here's a good way to approach 2022. You ready? I, I love this. I'm not going to stand on chairs for a while. But this is a point at which I would normally. I do want to walk around for a minute. I, wanna, I want you to know that I am talking to you. You see, I feel like he's talking to me. Yes. Yes. No, please, I, give me eye contact and I won't have to walk to your row and make it awkward. No, please, please get this. I believe this with all of my heart. I would not be doing this if I did not believe this. I believe with all of my heart that God has a very specific and unique and wonderful purpose for your life. That does not mean that everything is going to be easy. This isn't some kind of prosperity gospel where we get to have faith in God and then he signs off on whatever blank check we want him to write. That's not what I'm talking about. But the ways and purposes of God and what they ultimately produce are nothing but good, even if they are worked out through valleys of difficulty and sorrow and trial. I'm telling you, I believe in a personal God who knows you personally and has a specific plan for your life. And it might be good for you to begin 2022 instead of saying, these are my plans. I have this and this and this and this. Why don't you pause for a moment and say, God, I've been moving in this direction with my life. Is there something you want me to alter in the direction in which my life is moving right now? It is good, Brother Brian, whether we like it or not. No, listen, I'm not saying that you need my permission to do anything in your life. God in heaven knows that we try to avoid that kind of oppressive and unbiblical religious system where a pastor takes control of people's personal lives. That's wickedness before God. That's not what I'm talking about. And the people who come here regularly know that's not what we are. But I will tell you this, on the authority of the word of God, he ought to have some say in the direction your life is moving. And maybe the frustration of the direction of your life has something to do with the fact that there has been little effort to say, God, what do you want me to do? What direction do you want me to move? Instead of just moving how you want, maybe saying, God, is there a specific place? or a specific direction, or even a specific purpose. And I'm not, listen, I'm not saying that God's going to line out all those pieces so you understand each one all the way to the very end, but just the attitude of saying, God, what do you have to say? That can open up your heart to a whole lot more of his influence that will help guide you in the days ahead. Maybe this, maybe as, maybe as a couple, maybe as a family, you say, I want 2022 to have more peace and more hope in my home than it's been in the past. Maybe that starts with considering the fact that God actually has something to say about how you live your life at home. 
God has something to say about how a husband is supposed to treat his wife. God has something to say about how a wife is supposed to treat her husband. God has something to say about how a parent is supposed to interact with their child and how a child is supposed to interact with their parent about how neighbors are supposed to interact. Point number one in the process, they actually considered what God had to say in chapter 8, whereas in chapter 7 they were completely negligent to even consider whether or not God had an opinion. Here's what I believe about God in chapter 7. If they had asked, he would have told them that they needed to deal with some things. You know why they didn't know? Because they didn't care. They were presumptuous. Number two, look at verse number three of chapter seven. And they returned to Joshua and said unto him, let not all the people go up, but let about two or three thousand men go up and smite Ai, and make not all the people to labor thither, for they are but few. Uh, Robbie and Marcella, can you come up here real fast and get ready? They don't know what they're getting ready for. This is completely off the cuff. So verse 3 again, they, they've got hundreds of thousands in their military. Let not everyone, just, just two or three thousand. So there went up of the people, thither of the people, about, in verse number 4, about 3,000 men. Now turn to chapter 8, verse number 3. So Joshua arose and what's the next word? All the people of war. You know what's happening now? In chapter 7, there's only a fraction of the people involved. Not because God said a fraction need to be involved, but because they decided only a fraction needed to be involved. But now, everyone is pulling in the same direction. This is simple, but it's, the effects are profound. These two are used of God to help our church. They are used of God to minister to people in this church, and they are trying to raise a family whose children will love and serve God and have families of their own to love and serve God. I'm not saying they're perfect any more than any, anyone else in here. None of us are perfect. But there's evidence that they're trying to serve the Lord. You know what else there's evidence of? That they're both pulling in the same direction. I'm not pausing because I don't know where to go. I just want it to sink in. I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying, I'm not, I am not trying to be ugly at all. I say difficult things out of a heart to help. But you want to know where a lot of the problems in homes comes from? It comes because a husband and a wife won't be on the same page with God and with each other. Um... Addison, come up here, since I know they can do bodily harm and there's no liability, <laughs> since you're my child. Stand here in the middle. You grab that hand. You grab that hand. Look, it's great when a family's moving together in harmony, but there are some times when a mom and dad, they're on a different page spiritually. You got a wife who's trying to seek God and a husband who doesn't care. No, I'm, this is an example. I'm not saying about them. I'm saying an example. No, you have a wife who's diligently trying to get on her knees. She's diligently trying to be in the word of God. And a husband who he can go for weeks 
He can go for weeks without opening the word of God for himself. And he considers it to be a spiritual success when he actually stays awake in a service or doesn't check the score of a game one time while the preacher's preaching. To him, that is a spiritual success. It may look like everybody else on the outside, but can I tell you, that kind of couple is pulling in two completely different directions. You got a husband going that way, and you have a mom going this way. Go ahead, go, go. No, look, I get that. Listen, I get the humor of it. I get the humor of it, but you know who's suffering there? The children are suffering. And this is what we do we look at these children and we say, man, they got some real attitude problems. But the root is not in the child, the root is in the dysfunction in the home where a mom and a dad won't get on the same page before God. You say, why are you getting so fired up? Because I care about your life. And there need to be some dads who will get down at this altar and say, in 2022, I'm not going to continue to pull against the work of God. And if you have a wife that loves and fears God, being arrogant and humble yourself and learn from a godly wife and allow her to help you and get on the same page spiritually. I talk about the husbands. I'll talk about the wives too. Thank you, ladies. Because it's not just men that can be godless. Women can be godless. Look, no, no wife follows her husband because he is perfect. I mean, with the exception of me, obviously. <laughs> no, no wife... No wife follows a husband because she is perfect, excuse me, because he is perfect. You support and you encourage and you get on board with your husband because you see the evidence that he's trying to walk with God. And there is a tragedy that even in a church like this, and again, I'm not referencing a specific situation. I'm just knowing human nature and knowing that the problems that have been are the problems that continue to be. There can be a husband trying to follow God. And he's not perfect, but there's evidence that he's trying to do the right thing. And he's trying to walk with God. And he's trying to lead his family. And there can be a wife that digs in her heels and refuses to just get on board with it. You know what you're doing? You're pulling in different directions. And there are ladies who would say, man, I just wish my children would have a better attitude. And it might be that you need to have a better attitude. Let me say, oh, no, I'm not done. Let me talk about her for a minute. Because eventually, I love making this statement to my children. At some point, our faith has to personally become your faith. Man, I love looking at Dave and Tina Thomas. And I love looking at their family. I'm thankful for their family. But their children, too, their, their children have their own relationship with God. And our church benefits from the relationship that Joanna and Angela have with God themselves. They're not the only children that have a relationship with God. They have other children that have a relationship with God. And one of them is here. But those are the only two that we directly benefit from. So I don't care about the others right now. Sorry. I was just joking. I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. No, no, 
You know what Joanna and Angela had to decide to do? We're going to submit to a mom and dad who we believe love God. And even though they're not perfect, we're going to get on board with them. And there are some young people, listen to me, you, you rebel not because your parents are flawed, but because your heart is wicked before God. And you need to stop defying just because you don't like something and trust that my mom and dad love me and want what's best for me. By the way, let me talk to the parents about that. Stop treating every struggle your child has as an act of rebellion. Stop acting like every time your child messes up, it's the worst thing that's ever been done in the history of humanity. Just because it inconvenienced you a little bit. You understand every act of disobedience is not an act of rebellion. Did you know that sometimes kids have a bad day? No, 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 you, you want your wife to be patient when you're having a bad day. You want your, hu your husband to be patient when you're having a bad day. You want your employer to be patient when you're having a bad day, but then your child just gets off a little bit. You know what you're doing? You're pulling all kinds of different directions. Last thing, I brought this up a few weeks ago. Again, not targeting anyone, just trying to make this point. A family needs to come to church together. It's not her decision whether or not this family comes to church. It's not even her decision whether or not she comes to church. This family decides between the husband and the wife, and they decide, and then everybody else just needs to get on board. Yep, it's good. Everyone gets involved. By the way, what's good for individual families is good for a church family. Yeah, I don't have time. I'm going to move off of this point quickly. But our church will be better the more people start getting involved. Right now, we have the limitation of facility, and we have the limitation of being crowded. Both really good problems to have, praise the Lord. But we have limit, limitations in ministering. But can you please understand, this church does not need to be a one-man show or a few family show. This church needs to be putting on display the involvement of members across the board who, whether it's something that's perceived to be big or it's something that's perceived to be small, that it's done with excellence and it's done with love and that we are all engaged in helping this church move forward. Man, we will have greater victories as a church when we're not functioning off of the effort of a fraction of us, but when we're functioning off of the effort of all of us. I'm 22. Thank you guys for your help. You can be seated. Last thing. Look at it. chapter 7, verse 4. So there went up thither of the people about 3,000 men. And they fled before the people of Ai. Verse 3, this is going to seem to overlap. But look at verse 3. Joshua chose 30,000 of men and he sent them away by night. And then he commanded them saying in verse 4, Behold, ye shall lie in wait against the city, even behind the city. Go not very far from the city, but be ye all ready. I read the entire text, or most of it, so because we weren't going to go back and read through every section of it while I was preaching, the level of intensity in chapter 7 was way down here. You know, you know what the level of intensity in chapter 7 was? I can beat you with one arm tied behind my back. 
In fact, I can beat you with one arm in a sling and one arm tied behind my back, <laughs> standing on one leg, karate kid style. <sighs> That's the intensity level of chapter 7. You know what the intensity level of chapter 8 was? Maximum effort. Chapter 7, what's the least amount we can do and still have success? How little can we do and still have success? Chapter 8, it doesn't matter how much effort is required. We'll leave in the middle of the night. We'll stay up all night. We will be ready at a moment's notice. We will put forth maximum effort. You know what the approach to Christianity today mirrors? It mirrors the casualness of our culture. How much can I get for the least amount of effort? Well, pastor, can't we have a sermon where God speaks to us and it only lasts like 15 minutes? Yeah, it's possible. But if you're willing to sit in a restaurant for an hour and a half, if you're willing to sit at a ball game for two or three hours, don't you think our intensity and our effort for being at church ought to increase a little bit too? No, you that have enjoyed success in your careers, I thank God for it. I thank God for it. Okay, I'll say it again. Thank you, Lord, for people who are successful in their careers. You're not successful because you're lucky. You're successful because you apply intentional effort and diligence. Thank you. Yeah. And God blesses that. God honors that. Hard work and diligence are commanded in Scripture. And God blesses it with physical, tangible results. To the, to the younger brothers and sisters in the room, whether you're teens or young adults, stop being jealous of what people that are two or three decades older than you have and start trying to mirror their work ethic and their discipline. That is of God. They didn't get that. They didn't get that because they were lucky. There's nobody in here related to Steve Jobs. Bill Gates, they didn't get that because they were born into it. They got it because they disciplined their life and worked hard. Stop being jealous. Look at the process. But can I encourage those of you who have success in your career? Maybe if you were as diligent in other areas, you might have the same level of success. Like in your marriage. You know what's a tragedy? Again, this is another standing on the chair moment. There are men whose effort with their job mirrors chapter 8. But their effort with their spouse mirrors chapter 7. There are children of God whose effort on social networks mirrors chapter 8. But your effort to actually know and engage with your children mirrors chapter 7. Your effort to achieve greatness in some area, that isn't wrong, mirrors chapter 8. But your effort to read your Bible, your effort to pray, your effort to be involved in this church, you take, you take the budget approach. I want to get as much as I can with as little investment as necessary. But that's not the way the kingdom of God works. You want great from it? you got to put great into it. 
Here's a statement. If you want chapter 8 results, you must follow chapter 8 processes. If you want a chapter 8 result, you must follow a chapter 8 process. You know what's sad? Can you just, can you just dream with me for a minute? Can, can you imagine with me for a minute? I'm not trying to be emotional, but I can look across this room from one side to the other without, without knowing great detail. I just, I just know this is the, the habit in, in a church of any size, or this is a typical characteristic. There can be a group of people all facing the same battles, and yet only some of them are experiencing success. You say, why is that? Because some of those believers are following a chapter 7 process, and some of them are following a chapter 8 process. Man, they're, they're, they're just lucky. Their kids are different. No. You know, man, I love my family. Decently obedient children. You say, you're just, you're just lucky with them. No, there's a process we try to follow. An intentional, disciplined process. It's the grace of God. No one's kids turn out well because parents are perfect. But there is a process that produces a product. You know what's sad? Is you're going to continue to blame the outcome on everything in your life except for what you can control. If you want a chapter 8 product, follow a chapter 8 process. Stop blaming everything you don't control and start looking in your life. And in 2022, I hope you have goals. I hope you have personal goals. I hope you have financial goals. I hope you have work goals. I hope you have fun goals. I hope you have career goals. I hope you have all the goals that God would be honored with you to have. But you are not going to get anything different if you don't follow a different process. So where does the process need to change? Let's bow our heads and close our eyes. Thank you. And I mean this, thank you for your attention. With every head bowed and every eye closed. No one, please, please no one looking around. I don't, uh, we want.